Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. You know, we're baptizing the roads. We're, we're, we're taking these roads that were made for ways to make them the way, to uh, instantiate that inner journey and make it physical, you know, and bring it, bring heaven to earth, bring the inner life to the outer world. That is this week's guest, and it is an amazing story. Stay tuned. A very special mention and thank you to my new Patreon sponsors, Margaret, Kaylee, Betsy, Carmen, and James. Thank you for your kindness. And if you'd like to sponsor the podcast and to help keep it ad-free, simply go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James. James was one of Jesus Christ's apostles who found himself in Spain in the wake of Christ's death. He returned to the Holy Land and was martyred, his followers taking his body back to Spain where he was entombed in a field. And his body was discovered by a shepherd 800 years later, and the Spanish built a majestic cathedral to house his remains and built a city in his name, Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. Pilgrims walk the many and varied Caminos, and most arrive at Santiago de Compostela to visit James's crypt beneath the cathedral. They attend the Pilgrim's Mass, and if you're lucky, you'll get to see the swinging of the Boat of Humiro, a huge silver and gold thurible swung from the cathedral ceiling. That pulley system upon which the ropes glide and swing was installed in 1604. Botafumiro is Galician for smoke expeller, and the thurible smokes as it swings the length and breadth of the vast nave and transept. It's one of life's great adventures, the Camino, and seeing the Botafumiro swing at the cathedral at the end is the perfect way to finish. It gives one a chance to reflect. And in this chaotic, fast-paced life we all live, we ought to take more time to reflect. I had a birthday recently and my younger sister sent me a picture of me and my four younger siblings. It must have been about 1977, I reckon. I must have been about 11. We're all smiling, four boys and my younger sister. She's giving the photographer the thumbs up. It's a black and white photo, so I'm thinking it was probably taken by my eldest brother, Mark, who went through a phase of taking photographs and developing them in a homemade darkroom downstairs at our home in country Queensland. That photograph is a reflection. It's a moment in time. And the Camino provides so many moments in time, so many points of reflection. James Sage, who featured with his son Leo in last week's episode, talked about pausing along the Camino to reflect on moments and places he'd been on his previous Camino. And he knew some of those places would make him sad or happy. But he was able to reflect I jotted down a quote once, I don't remember where it was, and it was attributed to Holmes, but I'm not exactly sure who Holmes is. In moments of quiet reflection, our minds embrace the sea that we have crossed. We all have crossed so many seas, and here we are, pilgrims. Well, my pilgrim this week has not walked the Camino. He plans to walk the Camino but he is most definitely on his own Camino, his own pilgrimage. Robert Henry is on the line from Ohio in the United States. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you, uh, Dan. Great being on here. We're going to talk about your pilgrimage in a moment, but I want to get to know you a little first. Your email signature says, Adjunct Professor Robert Henry. What is an adjunct professor? An adjunct or uh, adjunct professor is is one who um, is basically contracted 
uh, semester by semester. So what it is, is I don't actually, uh, I mean, I work uh, as a kind of private contractor. I don't actually work for the college, except I'm contracted for them. So, you know, if let's say one semester, they only need me to teach one course, then I'm only um, contracted for that one course. Whereas if I worked for the, uh, for the college, then, you know, they would just kind of dump how many ever on me, <laughs> you right. know? I mean? So as an adjunct, you just sort of, uh, you know, kind of independent contractor in a sense, and yeah. you just courses as they come. So, so what is your speciality? Um, I teach, uh, philosophy. I teach, um, right now I'm teaching medical ethics, business ethics, and um, actually, this semester, I'm teaching two uh, Intro to Humanities courses for a dual credit course uh, for high school students uh, that will get college credit. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty pretty neat. Wow. That's really in- interesting. Your email signature also says, never look to a motionless face for memories. Life is found in the pace, not the chemistry. Let me just ask you, how did you discover this podcast? Um, I discovered it because I was looking up, um, I was looking up podcasts that had to do with the Camino. Um, I uh, had become very much interested in uh, the Camino de Compostela, uh, well, a couple of years ago, and particularly in the past year, I've been uh, fascinated with it, and uh, I was just trying to sort of. Um, you know, um, take in as much as I could. And I, you know, I found your podcast and, and, um, I was really taken by it because it wasn't just, I, I listened to some YouTube videos of individuals that talked about more, some of the practical aspects of, of doing the Camino, but yours was more of a personal journey. Individuals, uh, talking about their own personal journeys, um, whether it's spiritual, religious, inter, you know, inner, whatever, uh, and that really connected with me. I thought it was um, uh, something that really, you know, meant more than anything about what it means to be a pilgrim. Yeah. So, um, that's why, you know, that's, that's, that's how I found your uh, podcast. So tell us about Never Look to the Motionless Face for Memories. Life is found in the pace, not the chemistry. Why do you have that in your email signature? Um, it's funny. It's a funny story. Um, I... Actually, I, I used to write poetry in my early 20s, or well, actually mid-20s. Um, and when I was in college, uh, I had a professor, and um, I had put that as my uh, tagline on my emails. And he was like, wow, what is that? And I said, What's, it's from a poem I had written called a, a Dry Creek Bed. And basically, in the poem, I was trying to illustrate the, uh, the, the concept that the... Um, the soul was, uh, or the spirit or the soul was kind of like the water that, um, you know, that fills up a creek bed. And once that evaporates it, you know, it, it goes into the air and it, and it changes form, but you still have the dried up creek bed and the dried up creek bed kind of represents our bodies. You know, when you see a a body, when you see someone who has passed away, Mm. you just see that dried up creek bed. And the, the, that line particularly was an attempt to try to, uh, comfort people, you know, particularly at funerals when they were forced to look at the uh, remains of someone that had passed away, that that person's not there. It's a dried up creek bed. You know, that the, the, the joys, the, the sorrows, the um, passion, all the things that you loved about that individual 
uh, when they were alive is is not there. It's it's you know it's it's evaporated into the air. It's 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 gone on to another mode of existence. And that's why I said never look to a motionless face for memories because life is found in the pace, the movement, right? It's dynamic. It's it's it, it's it's electric. Um, as uh, oh, what's I can't think of the name of the po uh, the the playwright uh, Eugene O'Neill actually he 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 said that our lives are like these this electrical symphony. I'm I'm um, paraphrasing him terribly, but <laughs> something like that. And, and 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 that's what you know that that's where I I continue to. To uh, quote my, well, I hate I hate to quote my own work because I'm not like this great poet. But all I know is that one of my old professors in my undergrad years uh, really liked it. So I was like, well, if he liked it, then I guess I like it too. Yeah, I really like it. Never look to emotionless face for memories. Life is found in the pace, not the chemistry. That's right. It's found in the movement, in yeah. in the journey, in the step by step. Day by day, living, isn't it? It's, uh, I really like it. You're currently on a pilgrimage in the United States, Robert, walking from Cincinnati to Maria Stain, Chapel of the Holy Relics. Firstly, how far is that journey, that pilgrimage? That um, it's it's about a hundred miles. Um, I, I actually just finished it um, last week. Actually, I, right? I, yeah, I finished it last week. Um, yeah, it's about a hundred miles. Um, I was going to take me six days, but I, um, I really put just really just, just, you know, just, just went through and, and finished it on, uh, on the Friday and made, I walked about 26 miles the last day and, um, finally made it. And, uh, it was, it's been incredible, incredible journey. Are you walking highways? Are you on the roadside or are they trails? No, no, there. It's the roadside. It's not. Okay. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's it's. I wish it were trails. It's not as, uh, you know, as 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 uh, aesthetic as the, as, as the actual Camino. <laughs> is it signposted, or is it just a journey that you've undertaken yourself? It's well. Here's the strange thing, and I don't know much about it, but I know that um, there are there's a collection of of uh, churches in that region of um, kind of central west uh central western ohio it's kind of close to the border of indiana and there are several uh holy sites and there are pilgrimages that they have i don't know if any and and supposedly i I was speaking with someone when i finished the pilgrimage and they were telling me about it that evidently there is a path somewhere that goes from somewhere up in that region uh one of the other churches that are near there to cincinnati but i don't know personally anyone that has done it and um, this particular trail, like I said, I take a uh, U.S. Um, highway. It's, I mean, it's not an expressway. It's, it's, it's just a, it's just an old, you know, well, it's a four-lane road. Um, and there's a lot of room on the side. And I just walk along it. And I walk along bean fields and corn fields. I mean, lots and lots and lots of corn fields. Yeah. And it's desolate. So it's, it's, um, it's. It's very just sort of dry, like the, like the cornfields are, you know. Yeah. So tell us about Maria Stein Chapel of the Holy Relics. Um, Maria Stein, um, it, it, it's, um, it has the second largest number of holy relics in the country. The, the, the largest is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
but this is the second largest. And um, I'm totally going to butcher this story because I don't have it, you know, at hand. But all I know is I, re I read about the history behind it. And evidently there was a priest. He had come from Europe and um, he wanted to start some churches in the Ohio area uh, going up. It, we're talking from the Ohio River Valley, where where I live, Cincinnati area, all the way up to like Cleveland, you know, way up north. So um, he went about building churches and uh, his bishop had given him a collection of holy relics. One of them included the uh, remains of uh, St. Victoria, which was a, a third century martyr. Uh, she was killed um, in, in somewhere in the you know Roman Empire. And uh, also some relics that are associated with the apostles. I'm not sure exactly what specific um, items. All I know when I when I made it there, I was looking at all the items. I, but it was it was really busy. There were actually a lot of people. It was during the uh, uh, prayer of Fatima, so it's you know there were a lot of people there. Not not on pilgrimage like I was, but you know they had taken buses and things like that. Uh, but it's it's an it's an, it's an incredible place. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, and you just feel this sense of, um, of, of holiness. I mean, you just yeah. feel the sense of, of, um, I, I can't even describe it. It's just, um, it's so peaceful. And I, I prayed, I'm not even, I'm, I'm Episcopalian actually. I'm not even, uh, Roman Catholic, but, um, I prayed the rosary like several times and just, it, I was in this prayerful sort of space and it, it was just, it was incredible. It was just yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's right. The the entire remains of St. Victoria are there. It's a fascinating story, actually. Um, she was uh, North African nobility and yes. converted to Christianity as a child, but refused an arranged marriage. And on her wedding day, she jumped out the window of her parents' home and, and went to a nearby church. And sort of that was her sanctuary, if you like. And she dedicated her life to God. But she was arrested her, and her uh, for, for for not going through with the marriage, and her brother said, "Oh no, she's insane." Um, but then she said no to the judge. No, I'm not insane, and convinced the judge that she was entirely sane, and was choosing a life dedicated to Christ rather than the, this arranged marriage. And the judge said, "Well, by convincing me, you're now sentenced to death." And so she was martyred, yeah. We don't know how old yeah. she was. She was most probably just a child. Uh, but her her remains are there in that church. Um, yeah. And what a wonderful story to tell of faith and dedication and commitment. And here she lies in amongst all these other relics of, of saints and, and holy people from all over the world, yeah. It's an amazing place. I went online and had a look at it. It's extraordinary. Um, that, yeah. shri that shrine really is quite something. It must have been quite emotional for you. Tell us, Robert, were you walking consecutive days? Did you do it all in one go? I, um, I had, well, here, here's the thing. I initially had planned on doing that. I, in fact, I even had arranged, um, I had made some sleeping arrangements. I was going to sleep in a tent because this route it doesn't go through very large towns it goes through very uh very small rural towns and there's not a lot of uh, albergues <laughs> you know yeah so uh, 
you know, but there are a lot of churches and, and other places. And I had contacted several churches and they were, uh, they were just so overwhelmingly like, um, you know, helpful. I mean, they, it was, it was great. I, I, you know, I just, I can't, you know, say enough about all of the uh, places that I've reached out to that were willing to help me and, 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 um, you know, we're excited about this. Um, but yeah, originally that was my plan, but, um, unfortunately, um, I had some issues with my pack and, um, I, I, I just couldn't have like all the stuff I was going to have to take with me to, to sleep overnight. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. So, uh, I, I had made alternative arrangements to, um, walk, um, and then get picked up and dropped off or brought back home. And then it, it was a lot of driving, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, and I couldn't do it consecutive days, but it was a lot of, them were pretty close to, you know, every couple days or so. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if it's good enough for Art Garfunkel, when he walked across America, it's good enough for you, I reckon, to be dropped yeah, off and yeah, picked exactly. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love that you called it the Camino de Maria Stein or the way of St. Victoria. I really love that. It's great. And then, Robert, in that email, that very first email you sent me, this line leapt out at me. I'm walking to honour my two sons that passed away just this past year. Tell us about that journey. Um, Well, it's tough. Um, Okay, so I I have four sons. Um, Two of them have passed on. Um, The two that passed uh, was Sammy and Joey. Uh, Sammy was 18. He, both he and Joey suffered from uh, muscular dystrophy. They were also, uh, had very profound, profoundly on the spectrum for autism. So they were nonverbal. Um, they had intellectual disabilities as well. Um, but they had Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, which is a, just a devastating condition because it, it uh, you're, you're basically, it's a neurological disorder where your brain uh, doesn't send the right signals to your body to produce the dystrophin, which is how we reproduce muscle tissue, muscle mass. And uh, unfortunately, you know, their bodies couldn't do that. So they were bound to wheelchairs. And, um, you, know, I, you know, when they were young, they could walk and they probably, like, Joey lost his ability to walk when he was, ooh, trying to think about 11, 10 or 11, whereas Sammy lost his a little earlier. Um, he, he was, he was resistant to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, medication to some degree. Uh, and he, he passed earlier than Joey did, um, at, at earlier age. But, um, in November of, uh, 2021, my son, Sammy Henry passed away. Um, he was at the hospital. He, uh, he had a really bad, um, cold it, it wasn't COVID. i a lot of people would, would it i it wasn't a COVID issue yeah. it just with with his, he he would get pneumonia a lot he'd been getting pneumonia a lot um so we took him to the hospital in october it was actually it was right around the time of my wife and i's anniversary um and we thought it was just your typical well you know he's gonna go to the hospital for a few days and but um he he went into cardiac arrest and they, you know, they brought him back. But after that instance, um, his brain had um, lost a lot of oxygen and he was never able to recover. And uh, on November 2nd, he, you know, I was, I was at home while my wife was there and I was going to go back up there. And she called me and she said, 
it's time. You know, he's his lungs are filling up with with liquid, and it's he's gonna go. So I ran, I just ran up there, and uh, I just held my hand on his head as he just breathed his last, and um, it was rough, and it really it just changed our lives. And then after that, that's I I really it you know most of the time when someone in your life passes away or you have tragedy oftentimes a lot, i've noticed a lot of people tend to move away from god they get angry at god but i had been angry at god for a long time because of their condition but it was this point where i actually got a much closer relationship oddly enough paradoxically enough because i felt that god was with us i i, I felt thought, thought of the term emmanuel you know god is with us and in that room i felt the presence of god oddly enough when he passed and even though it was just, it, you know, it was incredibly painful. We're, I mean, we're still going through grief. Obviously, I cry every day. Yeah. But, um, you know, but, you know, I felt God, God's presence. So after he passed, you know, I was like, I, I had, of course, you, you know, you hear this every time. Every person you talk to, they always say, and you know what movie I'm going to mention? You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I had seen this movie before. Um before all of this had happened i i actually watched these two priests have a youtube uh, channel and they review movies and one of them they, they they had the top five catholic movies and one of them was of course the way so i watched the way and it just blew me away and um ever since then i've um you know i didn't really know much about what pilgrimages were you know i didn't understand them and then i read jack hitt's uh book as well the companion to that and um, it just, it really illuminated a, a lot of the mystery, the enigma behind what it is. So I decided to do this. I, I researched some holy places that were, were, you know, I guess within walking distance, 100 miles or so. Yeah. And that's where I found the Stein. And when I, I, I read the, um, you know, the, the story of, of St. Victoria, and I, you know, I'm, I'm always forgetting it. I, it, was, it was really good that you uh, eloquently read about it. But I thought this is just a beautiful story. So I decided to go on a pilgrimage. Well, I was going to go in April and um, I had everything planned. I was going to leave that day. It was during um, it was during spring break and I was going to be out of school. I didn't have to teach. Um, so um, I was, you know, I was going to walk and my pack is too heavy. Like, oh, and I was I was so upset. My wife was like she, she knew I was really upset, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Because about a week later, uh, my son Joey, he also had a, uh, he started developing a cold. It wasn't COVID. It was just he had, a, um, you know, some, some congestion. Yeah. Well, he, his heart, because of his condition, had been weakened. Um, and he went into cardiac arrest in, in our, his bedroom. Um, the paramedics took him. And, you know, I, I was freaking out. So I drove up there. And as soon as I got to Children's, Children's Hospital, which is, great great hospital um they said we need to talk with you in this room and i was like oh my god and uh they said we're working on him right now you know we're we're giving him you know cpr and all that and uh we don't know you know we don't know if he's gonna make it and you know i watched them you know just keep pounding my son's chest and and oh. then they stopped and uh it was at 622 um and 
he passed on um, April 28th. And uh, yeah, it's just so I mean, losing two and in, in less than a year, it's it's been hard. But um, I, I, I need it, it the, the pilgrimage wasn't it wasn't just for me, though, I felt it was um, it was it was it, it was for them. Yeah. And it was for me. it was for everyone. I I started seeing things differently because I saw the temporality of this world and going back to the never look to a motionless face for memories, you know, that yeah. um, the, the, the temporality of the world. And um, I, um, I had begun to think, you know, it's so important, you know, in Europe, they, you have these ancient, uh, uh, you know, these ancient roads, they were built by the Romans and um, they built them for commerce. I mean, they built them to get from one place to another. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but the way, the way, you know, Jesus said, I am the, the way, the truth and the life. And there is one, there is a way, right? It's a path that we all take, right? It's an inner journey. But there's something about taking that inner journey and um, doing it with our bodies, you know, just and, and, and recapturing these roads that have been made for commerce or keeping us busy, the Marthas of the world, as opposed to Mary's, um, keeping us busy and, and baptizing, consecrating them, you know, yeah. dedicating them, you know, to the spiritual. And, um, you know, this, this road, I mean, I, I baptized it with my tears, basically. And I literally, I mean, I'm not just saying, like, I was just, I, I had some headphones on. I was listening to some of Joey and Sammy's favorite music. And uh, um, I mean, I, fortunately, no one saw me as they were walking by, especially what days when it rained. <laughs> but, um, you know, I baptized the road. Wow. And I think every, that's what we do as pilgrims. You, we're baptizing the roads. We're, we're, we're taking these roads that were made for ways to make them the way that to, to uh, instantiate that inner journey and make it physical, you know, and bring it, bring heaven to earth, bring the inner life to the outer world. And, um, you know, I just, it was, it was just amazing. <laughs> wow. So. Wow. What a story. I suppose, Robert, the, the thing that fascinates me is that you're an academic. You're used to working through process and, research to come to conclusions and based on your studies your education you're used to finding finite understandings in a way but has it been more difficult for you to process your son's deaths because you're used to things making sense a sense of order in a way yeah uh, you know um and, and that kind of goes back to i had been dealing with this ever since um, sure back, back in 2006 I was uh, I was working. Uh, this is before I was working in academia, but I got a call at work, and uh, my sons, you know, they they were having issues walking, especially Joey, and we didn't know what was wrong. And I got the call, and uh, my wife had told me that they were diagnosed with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. And ever since that moment, from 2006 onward till you know till this past year. Um, that's that's when I had been struggling yeah. with coming up with, with, with answers. And I just don't have any, I, or I didn't have any. I still kind of, you know, I mean, yeah. it's still, you know. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's really no, I mean, there's no, um, I, mean, I mean, I can come up with some logical, rational answers. I mean, I, I have all kinds of theories about, about, uh, about the world about how, um, 
you know, about how we've fallen into sin. I, I've got all this stuff, how, how this world is kind of a shadow of that world, the platonic thing. And all. I've got all kinds of theories, but, um, you know, I don't have any concrete answers. I don't think there would be any answers, to be honest. I don't think that you could ever expect to have any answers. But did you include the quote, never look to emotionless face for memories, life is found in the pace, not the chemistry. Did you include that in your email signature before your son's deaths or after? Um, I, I've had that um, I've had that in my signature for years. Right, okay, okay, so yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of, a, you know, I, it's kind of weird. It's, it's, well, you know, I'd written that, um, I'd written that poem well before I, uh, before I even had, before my, sons had been diagnosed sure. so i i had no i mean i you know being a philosopher when i was studying philosophy even in my undergraduate um i you know of course you think of death right i mean that's you know and i i always think of issues like life after death what's 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 the meaning of life all the all these really profound questions about uh about the world around us and um even though it that those questions hadn't really imposed themselves in a concrete real experiential way you know i because i was wet behind the ears i was you know i was just you know a young guy i didn't really had any serious um life experiences um and but but i still you know wrestled with these issues but of course now um i've been you know baptized in them bathed in them you know yeah yeah why are you walking alone robert you mentioned that you had two other sons and a wife. Why are you undertaking this alone? Um, I, I mean, I've had, like, actually, I have a, my cousin, which happens to live with me, actually. Um, he had, uh, you know, expressed interest in it. But um, I just, I, I just, I didn't feel right going, you know, walking with anyone. Mm. I just, and my wife, she didn't really, you know, she didn't really feel it was, something she wanted to do she felt it was something i needed to do myself yeah right. you know and uh, and it's you know th- this the way uh death impacts us you know it, it's even though you know we we embrace each other um i embrace my wife my sons i have two other sons and you know and they, they um they they oftentimes feel a lot of guilt because they weren't born with this sure and they often ask questions like why me why was i born healthy and you know, yeah. my brothers, you know, so, um, I know that they struggle with that as well. And, um, but you know, a journey like this, it's, unfortunately, it's a very personal individual journey. I can't get over that baptizing the path with your tears. It's just, it, it's, just, I can't get over that. What you said was so beautiful. Your sons and wife though, must know that this has been very helpful for you. Yeah. Um, I, well, I mean, I, I'm like my wife, she's just like, cause she knows I can be a little grumpy, and, you know, and she's like, you need this. You know, she, she, my wife told me you, you need to, in fact, she was very pushy about it. She's like, you need to do this. Um, uh, and I was like, are you sure, you know, I don't want to inconvenience you or this. That. And she was like, no, you, you need to do this. And, um, she was very supportive and I'm really happy about that. Um, so uh, you know, she was supportive. Yeah. My sons were supportive. And, but, but again, you know, it's just something, you know, you just have to kind of, you know, do it alone and um, things like that. Are you 
praying while you walk? Robert, you mentioned about praying in the Maria Stein Chapel, but what about while you're actually walking? While I was walking, um, just a lot of thoughts come to me. I, yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I guess at times I was praying. I mean, I would, and it's so weird. Um, I would walk. It's so weird because you walk through little towns. And uh, I like, you know, I like Jack Hitt. You, you've, have you read his book, Jack Hitt's? Yes, um, yes, yes, or, yes. It, and I like what he said about pilgrimages. He says, you know, back in the Middle Ages, a pilgrimage was about distance. It was about going long distances because, I mean, we didn't have cars. We didn't have these means of transportation. But he says nowadays, you know, we, we can get from one place to another in a blink of an eye. But, but if you slow things down and, and, you, and, and you, you space it out, right, in time as opposed to in space and and that really impressed upon me because when you walk through these towns, I, if I were driving it, it would be nothing. But, but when you walk through it, you, you almost feel the vibrations, the inner, the energy. I don't want to sound like a, you know, like some new ager and, you know, like some, yeah. uh, but, but it does, you feel the energy. I really do. And when you walk through it and you get to talk with people, you know, I talked with people um, just walking by, and, you know, I'd walk into a store and they, you know, they saw my, trekking poles and they would ask me what i was doing and i i even wore the uh the traditional shell you know yeah great yeah and and i also have i have um a couple saints on my uh on my necklace i have uh, saint elizabeth seton which uh, represents you know the uh the health of children and uh saint christopher i wanted to get a saint bonapisa i love saint bonapisa because saint bonapisa is the uh, patron saint of the pilgrim particularly of, of in spain but um, I and I have two crosses that are uh, that have the uh, cream, a very small portion of the cremated remains of both my sons. So and I, I wear those everywhere. And what um, I have, I have those. So, you know, when I walk into a store and they're talking to me and everything, they, they ask me, well, what are you doing? And I, I, in fact, I remember I was walking to this one town, Eaton, Ohio, and this woman literally like stops in the middle of the road. And she's like, you're walking for your health. And I was like, no, I'm I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm walking to Maria Stein. And she just gave me this strange, I mean, she's kind of smiled, but it was kind of a strange look. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting to see, um, you know, people's reactions when you, when you uh, tell them what you're doing. You mentioned that you were listening to Sammy and Joey's music. And I imagine the rhythm of your walking is, is keeping you company, but you were taking part of them with you, weren't you? Because you're listening to the songs that they love. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm not a dancer at any, by any means, but <laughs> there were, there were a few times. Yeah. I was actually like, cause you know how it is. You, you've, you've uh, walked long distances, right? So you get into a rhythm and yeah. when you're listening to a song, I was doing these crazy, like I was twirling my <laughs> trekking poles and, you know, because there was a, there's a couple of goofy songs that Sammy really liked. He liked uh, these various Pixar movies and they'd have these kind of goofy, funky songs and stuff. And, you know, I'll be, you know, doing this little dance and stuff. And <laughs> imagine the, the cars driving by are probably like, this guy's out of his mind. <laughs> Stay away from that dude. You see people on the Camino and up ahead, you see them, you do a little dance to themselves and think, how fabulous, you know. What, they're really in their own space and, and really enjoying themselves because they have just a moment of exhilaration to, to sort of move out of dance step. It's so great. I love that look. So oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you plan to one day walk the Camino. 
what do yep. you hope to find there? Um, well, I mean, for one thing, I think sharing, um, because it's one thing, I mean, I'm like, I feel like a, like, like a pioneer because this is, I'm even, maybe someone's done this route. I don't know. I doubt it. I mean, it's possible, but I don't think anyone's done this specific route. So I feel like a pioneer, but, uh, I, th- I want to go somewhere where there's an ancient sort of, you know, tradition where you're going somewhere that so many other pilgrims through the expanse of time have been through and have gone. And, um, you know, to, to share in that, right? I mean, to all these people that who knows what they had gone through. And we're talking about princes and kings and, and, and priests and popes, you know, yeah. have, have done nothing. And, and to, to share in this rich, incredibly rich tradition, I think, um, I, I, you know, I would, I, I just, I have to do it. You know, it's something I have, and I want to do it to honor them. I, I, I you know, I don't want to be all kooky and do what, um, what they did on the way where I write their names, but I probably would if on the, on the diploma, I would probably write uh, my son's names because yeah. it's not, you know, it's, it's, they, they, what it is, is, um, you know, when they were young, I used to, um, I used to hike with them, especially, especially Joey, I put them on my shoulders and uh, I used to hike with them. And, you know, during those times I carried him, right. I mean, he, he was weak. He was weak and I carried him. But now he's the strong one and he's carrying me. So the way I look at it is if I, if I, when I do walk that, the Camino, it will be them carrying me this time. It's their turn to carry me because I'm the weak one and they're the ones that are strong. What do you make of this week's quote that I started with? In moments of quiet reflection, our minds embrace the sea that we have crossed. Um, I think... With me, I would think that in life, you get so busy with the things that are going on around you. And sometimes you, and that's the whole point of a pilgrimage is to slow things down. Um, if, you, if you read a book, um, if you talk to someone, if anything, and you try to do it really too fast, you're going to miss so much and you won't even get the meaning, the content. I mean, life is a narrative, right? I mean, the life itself is a narrative. It's a story. It's a mythos. And um, if you live life, you know, in this fast pace, just trying to get everything done, you miss it. And you have to not, not talk for a moment. You have to be quiet. Just slow down. You have to listen. And if you don't do that, I think that you're going to miss out on a lot, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. So our minds embrace the sea that we have crossed. That sea, Robert, when you look back, is it calm or choppy? Um, I would say a little bit of both, depending. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely choppy in times. Mm. Um, before, you know, before, uh, before my sons passed away, I was um, just uh, not, not the, I, I just struggled with a lot of things, just a lot of anger and, um, just a lot of uh, personal issues. And um, I, I think now in this period of my life, um, my sons speak to me as, you know, as almost, you know, on a mission from God. God is wanting to talk to me through them to tell me that I need to calm down. I need 
to listen and I need to be in the moment. Wow, what a wonderful gift from your sons. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. 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 Um actually actually too, you know, the um I didn't tell you this. I've but I've been I've been writing reflections on um on the walk and I'm considering, I don't know if I'm going to do this because I mean so many people write you know um books about their journeys on a Camino. But this one would be a little different because it's you know it's a I'm pioneering a new way, I guess. <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm playing around with some titles. I came up with one called uh, Codex Franciscan Camino de Maria Stein. I, just some crazy stuff. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that. But um, do you mind if I read just a little I'd love you of... to. I'd love you to. Okay. Um, at one point, this is on, let me see what day this is. I'm looking back. Um, this is day, I think, this is, yeah, day three. Okay, this is day three. So um, let's see. Trip, trip. And like that, the rain was upon me. It wasn't isolated either. I could tell it was consistent. And by the look of the clouds coming in, it was going to intensify. I wriggled out of my pack, which I tightened the straps to put more weight on my upper back and made it harder to take off. I laid it down, rifled through a side pocket and pulled out my rain gear, which was nothing more than a poncho of sorts and rubber socks to go over my shoes so that they don't get wet. Walking with wet shoes is a nightmare. And there's a little chance I would make it even 10 miles in there. So fortunately, just as I put them on, the rain intensified. My pack was getting quite wet, so I unbuttoned my poncho and placed it over my backpack and wore it like a cloak. I didn't mind getting my shorts and my shirt wet. In fact, it was refreshing, albeit slightly cold. All through Camden, well, uh, just for you, Camden's right outside of Eden. It's this town up in Ohio. Um, although Camden, the rain came down, but as I made my way out of the hamlet, like a miracle from heaven, the rain gradually ceased. It wasn't long until I was able to get take off my rain poncho and rain socks. And it was about that time I walked past a sign for Gasper. The community is hardly worth mentioning, except for as a midpoint between Camden and Eden. But one thing uh, can be mentioned, there was an increase in the typical Ohio landscape with its endless fields of green stocks anchored by quaint farmhouses, elaborate barns, and occasionally some livestock. While trekking through this lull in my pilgrimage, hoping at any moment to see some sign I was near Eden, just as if planted in the ground by the hand of God, a tacky, but nevertheless inspiring sign that read, God's got this. And I can't say why it impacted me at all, but the loneliness of the road coupled with the emotional vulnerability I had as I was searching for a specific sign, I got the one I really needed to see. I don't even think the individual that put the sign up knew they were being used by God for just that moment. My jaded cynicism conjured up the image of some Trump-supporting redneck evangelical attempting to snatch from the jaws of hell some woeful sinner. But I must be far less judgmental and far more sympathetic. Sure, there are those that look out of the church windows through a frog, foggy pane. But who's to say my windows are any less foggy? Anyway, no matter how corny the sign was, the message fell upon me like the rain back in Camden. That was just a brief, you know. Wow. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Wow. So you could put down, I suppose, your thoughts and, and, and make some sort of formal narrative out of it, a, a book or, or, or a, a blog for sure. Uh, if you're writing like that on just day three, yeah, that's magic. What a wonderful thing to write. So if in moments of quiet reflection, our minds embrace the sea that we have crossed, look back for us, Robert, what's on the other side of the sea? Um, I think, I think that 
this the sea is is like any landscape it's constantly changing yeah yeah so you know um i mean when you know when jesus was in the boat with the disciples and uh the disciples saw the the storm coming i mean they flipped out right and that's what we do in life right we when we see the storms coming in life we like flip out right we, we flip out but i think what it does is um when we see the ripples in the water, we see the storms, and then we see the calm. I think what we need is that calm inside of us at all times, and to to um, not be uh, sort of jarred by what we see, not to walk by sight, but to but to have that inner calm and to know that even in spite of all this, the storms that are, are outside of us, um, that you know we are going to learn from it. We're gonna. You know, we're going to gain something from it. It might yeah. be painful, but we know that eventually, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, uh, the storms will subside. I, there's a quote from a, my favorite author, by, by the way, uh, George MacDonald. Um, and there's a poem he wrote in my favorite book, which is, uh, um, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, At the Back of the North Wind. Great book, by the way. Anyways, there's a quote in this poem, and it says, sure is the summer, sure is the sun. The night and winter are shadows that run. And, you know, that, that's what it is, really. When we, when we have these, uh, these storms in life, they're nothing but shadows. You know, they're, they're shadows of, of, of something looming on the horizon. And, I, you know, when you see those storms come, when you see the, the rough water coming, we know that that is the effect of something great in the, in the distance. What would a fitting memory of Joey and Sammy be like, Robert? How would you like to remember them? Well, um, like Joey, for example, I, I think of his smile. I mean, like literally when he smiled, his eyes would just disappear. I mean, he, <laughs> well, you know, you know, you see people when they smile, um, sometimes people have kind of a, a feigned smile or, you know, it's, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not judging people, but you know, some people have, just this sort of faint because they can't express themselves, right? Some people, and it's not that they're not genuinely happy or whatever. It's just some people have awkward moments. But Joey was genuine in every in every moment, and uh, when he smiled, his um, his eyes just disappeared. Whereas uh, where Sammy, Sammy was more of a trickster. He liked to he liked to, to to grate on your nerves sometimes, you know. And sometimes he would get on my nerves so much sometimes, but I could tell that he was doing it because he was trying to get me to listen to him. He was trying to get me, you know, to recognize his needs. And he was, he was just a completely different personality. He was more of the, the practical kind, whereas Joey was the dreamer, you know, and they would get on each other's nerves both actually too. I mean, we went on road trips so many times with them. We took them to, uh, we drove to Chicago with them. We drove out West to Denver, uh, through South Dakota. We drove up to, uh, Boston to we we actually we we drove to New York a couple times and uh, I tell you pushing uh, uh, wheelchairs around you know downtown Manhattan is something else <laughs> but the police were really help the police were really helpful I I tell you the New York Police Department were just amazing they were just so accommodating and really helped us but it, it was it was something I mean going to Rockefeller Center and just in that and that's one good thing. I, I, the experiences I had with them, you know, and all the different places we would take them uh, was just magical. 
Oh, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. I, 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 the, the last line here I have is that I hope you find what you're looking for. And, and I'm certain that that's a loving and cherished memory of Joey and Sammy and, and a long and fruitful life with your wife and, and your other sons as well. Thank you so much, Robert, for writing to me to bring us a story of a Camino of a different kind, a journey you've undertaken as a pilgrimage, and it is more than a pilgrimage in my view. It's a, it's a journey of prayer, it's a journey of memories, it's a journey of reflection. And I want to send my blessings from me and my family to you and your family, Robert, and on behalf of all of the listeners in this Camino community, we uh, want to send you our love and and our time of reflection to help support you and your family. Uh, I, I can't wait to follow your Camino when you arrive in wherever you arrive and walking in the footsteps of all of those priests and poets and popes and the, all of the blessed men and women before you because it's going to be a great journey. Um, thank you for taking the time. Well, thank, thank you so much, Dan. It's been a pleasure and um, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share uh, my Camino story. Buen Camino. My guest this week was Robert Henry, who has walked a pilgrimage in Ohio in the United States and hopes to walk the Camino de Santiago very soon. Two quotes this week, one I jotted down, I don't actually remember where. It's attributed to Holmes, and I suspect it's Ernest Holmes, the philosopher. In moments of quiet reflection, our minds embrace the sea that we have crossed. And I loved Robert's quote from his email signature, Never look to a motionless face for memories. Life is found in the pace, not the chemistry. A very special mention and thank you to my new Patreon sponsors, Margaret and Kaylee, Betsy, Carmen and James. Thank you for your kindness. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast and to help keep it ad-free, simply go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. That's all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for your company. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.